I want to talk this morning about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Something I haven't really talked about in years, but I think about it all the time. How many people would like to have an anointing on their life? I mean, really. If you don't, can I take this microphone and just beat you in the head until you decide you want an anointing on your life? Yeah. The anointing is sort of a, you know, elusive thing, really. And... But the Bible is pretty clear about it in some ways. Uh, it becomes elusive in the practice of it. So I wanted to just uh, talk some about it this morning, about uh, the, how, the anointing and some of the things the New Testament in particular says about it. So I want to begin, and the reason I want to do this is because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's really is who He is. And that's one of the things that the Scripture clearly speaks of is what the Holy Spirit when he comes, and when he begins to work in your life, there's an anointing that comes with him. Yeah. Okay? And, and so it's just vital for every area of our life. Not just ministry, but just going through our days. We must have an anointing. Yeah. And there is a powerful anointing being released. I want to read this one, Luke 4, 1. Um, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was right after Jesus was baptized, one of my most favorite scriptures on the planet. You know, Jesus was baptized by John. Y'all remember this. And it says the heavens were torn open, literally. That's what that word, it says open, but literally it means torn open, ripped open. In other words, what the, what the scripture was trying to teach us that there was an open heaven for Jesus that would never be closed. And then later, when he hung on the cross, and that temple veil, that big old thick temple veil that weighed, you know, a couple thousand pounds, I think, or maybe 800 or so, I don't forget what it was, a real thick piece of material that was in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies. It was literally ripped from the top of the bottom. Yeah, no, no. Bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it was the hand of God ripped this temple, and that was showing us at the cross... Heaven was literally torn open for all mankind. Isn't that powerful? Forever. It can never be sewn back together. It can never be put back together. That's really what the cross did. And so what Jesus did when the heaven was open for him, he was demonstrating to us what an open heaven lifestyle should look like. That's why the life of Jesus is absolutely vital for us to, to look at, to study. He's the firstborn amongst many. That's what the scripture teaches. The firstborn amongst many. In other words, he's the older brother that we're to follow in his footsteps. Now that's the truth. I don't care what anybody tells you. That is the truth of the scripture. That's what the Bible teaches us. If you want to know what a Christian life is supposed to look like, the one person in the scripture who did it perfectly was Jesus. The one person. Now, none of us, nobody else, even Paul the Apostle... He'd probably be the second place on that deal, I would think. You know, Peter, he kind of messed up a couple of times, but I mean, we're way down the list somewhere. But he's he's the he's the example. He's the example for the anointing. Okay, I, let me just finish telling you because I love him. The heavens were open. The Father spoke from heaven, an audible voice from heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome to hear an audible voice? It might scare a fire out of you. But he said something profound. He said, you're my beloved son. In other words, I, this is my son, or you. Uh, actually, uh, Mark says you are. 
I think Matthew says this is. I mean, it's, it's really, all of it means something. You're my beloved. In other words, I love you. I accept you. You're my son. That's the defining moment for every human being to hear the Father say that to him. Okay, the defining If you don't have that revelation of the Father's love and acceptance, you're in trouble. I'm just flat out telling you, I'm telling you you're in trouble in your Christian life. You will struggle in your Christian life until that becomes a real revelation in your heart. Okay? And that's why Jesus that's why Jesus experienced that. He experienced it for you and I. To show us that you need this experience. You need this encounter with the Father. To, for the Father to reveal His heart to you. And that's what the Father wants to do. Jesus demonstrated for us. Then it says the Holy Spirit came down and rested on Jesus in the form of a dove. Rested on His shoulder. Isn't that powerful? And so that's when the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, first began to settle on Jesus. Okay? But that wasn't the end of the story. Okay? That was, you know, that he that that happened, and then this is where Luke four one picks up at. It says, then this is after all this happened, this profound experience. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was resting, came in, returned from the Jordan, and was led by this same wonderful Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Okay, and then he found this person called the devil. Out there in the wilderness waiting on him. And he spent 40 days out there fasting. You know, that's a long time to fast. 40 days. You get kind of hungry. And then the devil came and they had this powerful showdown in the desert. Y'all know that story. And of course, the devil came with the exact same temptations to Jesus that he came to Eve with in the garden. The exact ones. Everything that Eve faced in that garden, Jesus faced in the wilderness. The difference being is Jesus did not fall for any of it. Okay? And he took the word of the Lord and he spoke the word of the Lord. The devil was speaking scripture to him. Okay? Out of context, twisted, just like he did with Eve. Out of context, twisted. Stuff that he says to people all the time to get them to think something and believe something that's not right. And but Jesus didn't buy into any of it. And so he defeated the devil at that moment. Okay, in their first, you know, encounter with each other. And it says the devil left him until an opportune time. In other words, that wasn't the last time the devil came and messed with Jesus. Okay? You know, there were several other times, but the scripture doesn't really record all of them. We know one of them was in the garden when he was sweating drops of blood, right? And so that was the, the powerful moment. All this is powerful. And, and so I think, you know, if we're going to accept a revelation of the Father and an encounter with the Father and an encounter with the Holy Spirit, okay, we're also going to have to realize, and this is what I heard a man say one time that was like a spiritual father in Africa, talking to these guys who are going to go out and do all this stuff. He said, they're just going to face the same devil everybody else has. <laughs> you know, because, so we're all going to have to deal with this demonic force, okay? Even though he's totally been defeated and disarmed, that's what the Colossians teaches, he's still around. And we... You may have personal inward victory, okay? But there's a lot of people in the world who don't have personal inner victory and are not walking in that 
And the atmosphere of the world is full of what Paul called evil. He said, we live in an evil age. We live in a darkness. That's what Paul the Apostle said. And so we have to realize that we, although the victory has been assured, the victory has been sealed, and the devil has been totally disarmed, we still live in a dark, evil age. That's, that's right out of Ephesians, okay? And so we have to learn how to, you know, stand against. That's a word that the, the, the Paul the Apostle uses when it, when it comes to spiritual warfare. To stand against the lies and the deception that the enemy brings into our life. Otherwise, if you begin to listen to the devil, if you begin to agree with the devil, you your life will take on the uh, influence of this evil. It will begin to influence your thinking, your decisions, your choices. Yeah. Now that's the truth. And, the, and if you think anything else, you're a very foolish person. You, you're in deception if you think anything else. You're already in deception. And you need to ask the Lord to have mercy on you and show you because the power of the enemy is in the lie. That's how he took Eve out originally. It was a lie, he told her. So a very subtle lie and she bought into it. Paul warned us in 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3, just as a servant deceived Eve by his craftiness. I'm concerned that he may be trying to do that to you. That's what he told him. The last part was my little way of saying it. So, so that's why Jesus went through this thing with the enemy. Okay? He, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him into a, an, a, a, a battle with the devil right away. Let's go do this. Let's go deal with this guy. Let's go show him. Yeah. That don't sound like no real wonderful worship service, does it? <laughs> but it's, it's the truth. All right. So then it says in, in verse 14, after all this, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding regions, a region. So we know that from John 1 that Jesus was full of grace and truth right from the start, right? But it never mentions that he did any healings, any miracles, anything. He didn't do any of that. Even though he was full of grace, he was full of truth. Okay, but he never did anything until Luke 4.14, until he came out of this thing. And note that it said in Luke 1, he went in filled. Did y'all catch that? He went into this encounter with the devil filled with the Holy Spirit. He came out, what? With power. Okay? So he went in one way. He came out a different way. Okay? And that's really what the Lord wants us to see. There is one thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing to be anointed with the Holy Spirit with power. They're different. I'm telling you right now they're different. Because you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not operate in power. Some of you agree, some of you don't. Okay? You know, Paul speaks of Jesus being anointed with the Holy Spirit, not Paul, but Luke in Acts 10.38. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit and power. Okay? Now, so it's important for us to, you know, really understand and discover. Our, are y'all following this so far? Yeah. Follow, you know, discover our giftings, you know, our spiritual gifts, our talents. All those things are, 
vital for every Christian to discover. But without the anointing working in our life, it doesn't matter how gifted you are or how talented you are, I would suggest you don't expect much from any of that. It's not going to produce a lot of fruit in your life without God bringing the anointing into your life. Okay, so God has gifted everybody. Okay, and, and, but he, we need that anointing to make the gifts and talents be fruitful in our life. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Are y'all following this? Yeah. So John 14, 12 tells us, okay, it tells us that every Christian is destined or has the potential of destiny to walk into the same power that Jesus did. Greater works will you do is what he said. You'll do these works in grace. That's what Jesus said. I know a lot of people may not even believe that or think there's some twist on the translation, but that's what the Bible says. So we have a choice to believe such a thing or not. That's right. I don't really have a struggle believing it. My struggle is, is doing it. That's where I'm at. I got, the believing part is, is a dead issue in my life on that. I'm just saying, Lord, I want you to teach me how to do this. I want to learn how to walk the way you walk. I want to be the way you were. were. I mean, I believe that's within reach. And so I think that's part of what God wants to teach us. I remember, you know, about two or three years ago, I can't remember. I'm not like certain people in this room who can tell you dates. You know, I can't even tell you the date I got saved. You know, which is the greatest day of life. I don't know what day it was. You know, I know I was born in 1954. Because I asked this girl last night, what year were you born in? She said 1996. I thought, oh gosh. I'm so much older than you. You And you're here a grown person working. And I'm that much older than you. You just made me feel old. Uh, So I do know when I was born. I know when my birthday is. I know when Christmas is and Thanksgiving. All those important days. I know I was, my anniversary. I do know I was my anniversary. Yes, sir, I do. I will not forget that. But I'll tell you the truth. I cannot. I have to go and check every year. Is Becky, is your birthday on the, I don't ask her this. Is her birthday on the 30th or 31st? Which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the 30th of July. Anyway, I'm just telling you that because... I don't remember the dates real good. But anyways, I had this one day I was I was really concerned about what's going on in the world. Okay, with all the troubles in this world that we're facing. And they've gotten a lot worse since that day, I actually, thinking about it now. And I was just really been had spent a lot of time seeking the Lord, you know, about the signs of the times and what was happening and all that. And I I was just reading the scripture one morning and I was reading in Acts where the apostles right there, they were asking Jesus, is it this time you're going to restore Israel? And the Lord said in Acts 2, this is not for you to know. And I felt the Lord at that moment was talking to me about what I was doing. This is not for you to know, Byron. This is not your area. This is not what I've called you to put your energies and efforts into. But then he said, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I felt God telling me that. I felt like he was saying, this is where you need to go with your life. Instead of trying to understand the times. and Which I think is a great thing. I'm understanding prophetic stuff about this. And about the governments. And all that stuff. Which seems so confusing. 
is he was telling me that's not your focus. It may be other people's focus, but your focus is is to receive this power. Receive this power and become the witness that I've called you to be. That's what I want you to do with your life. And so I just let all that stuff go that night. Like, oh, I'm done with that. You know? <laughs> Heck no. I'll, I'll take the power over that any day, right? I mean, if you had the choice today, which one would you take? I think we'd all take the power. And so I felt like the Lord began to speak to me. Unfortunately, I think I'm a slow learner. You know? I think this is all this thing about the Holy Spirit is. Uh, so I think that when we begin to understand, okay, the anointing, where we can grow in it and begin to cooperate with what the anointing is and what the anointing really does, then we can begin to walk in that kind of power that God wants us to walk in. That's what I really believe. I believe that's the key to it, is, is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, Jesus said in Matthew 13, 23, he's speaking about the parable of the, of the uh, sower. You know, they're talking about why it worked for some people and why it didn't work for others. He just said this. Well, it's the people who receive the word of the kingdom and understand it that bear the fruit. So, a lot of people will hear stuff and receive it, but they don't really ever get it. And so it never helps them. That's what Jesus was telling us. That's why you have these people. It never amounts to anything in their life because they lack an understanding, they lack a revelation. It's talking about not mental understanding. It's talking about revelation understanding. Understand it with your heart. They never really captured that. So when trouble comes, it's gone. Right? That was one of them. But the people with good soil is those who received it and understood it. And so God wants to give us revelation about the anointing. I mean revelation. I'm not talking about some mental thing because mental doesn't work. Mental is the last thing that God gives us. He gives us intellectual understanding, but that's not top on His priority. His top on His priority is for us to get it in here. And when we get it in here, eventually it will manifest in our, our thinking. We'll begin to... And so God wants to open our, our minds to understand the anointing, to really understand what it really is and what is really not. So we can begin to access the power realm that God wants to release to the body of Christ in the earth. That's what I really believe. So, I did this this morning. I'm not going to finish this, obviously. Woo, mercy, Lord. You know. I've written down these things, uh, things that the Lord's been teaching me about this since that day. It's been about three years ago. Uh, so I wanted to tell you a few things here. Okay, I'm listening to numbers just for me. Okay, it's called Understand the Anointing. One, number one, this is number one, and this is number one always. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a he, not a it. Now, we've talked about this some, but I don't think everybody's gotten that still. That he is not the lesser person of the Trinity. We need to get that. He's not the lesser person of the Trinity. He's not, it's not like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit being like, the, you know, He's the bottom guy. Yes, He's part of the Trinity, but He's, but he's optional. We treat Him like He's optional. Okay? The Holy Spirit's not optional. And we need to begin to respect the Holy Spirit. Now, He's not, one of the greatest analogies for the Holy Spirit, I think, is electricity. 
because electricity produces its power. But we have to be careful when we use any analogy because he's not, you know, electricity is very impersonal, right? Electricity has no personality. Electricity doesn't care about anybody in this room. It'll light the lights for the most wicked people and it'll light the lights for the most godly people, right? It will kill the most righteous people that walk on the earth if they touch it the wrong way. And it'll kill the most wicked people on the earth if they touch it the wrong way. So the electricity doesn't care. He has, it has no personality. It's impersonal. The Holy Spirit is very personal. And the Holy Spirit has a very unique personality. There's people that he likes to be with. He would love to be with everybody. But he's not with everybody. His presence is everywhere, but he's not with everybody. He's not walking with everybody. He doesn't have a relationship with everybody. Some of us in this room have a, are, are more of a closer with the Holy Spirit relationship than others. Okay? So he's very personable. He's a person. And he really wants us to treat him like a person. So when we begin to talk about the anointing, the anointing is the Holy Spirit. Now I want us to get that. Because you cannot separate the anointing from the Holy Spirit. There is no anointing without the Holy Spirit. So you have to see, when we talk about the anointing, it is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. And so we have to honor and respect the anointing as that person. Are y'all following that? Yeah. And I think this is vital and key for us if we're going to really begin to walk in the power of God, that we're walking in Him. I don't think we can ever, ever emphasize that point enough. Holy Spirit's a person. A person who has feelings, who has thoughts, who has concerns for us. Who has attitudes for us. I think that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, number two. The anointing is not just good emotional feelings. <laughs> and that wasn't, yeah, it's really not. Because you can feel good about the wrong thing. You can think you're anointed and it's just caffeine. <laughs> the, the, the Holy Spirit now, now feelings do happen with the anointing I will tell you that you get up and try to preach and not be anointed and tell me how you feel when you're done you know how you feel just, I'll show you how you feel yeah. can I just crawl out of here Lord I promise I'll never do this again I promise I wish I'd have never come to church today that's how you feel you just want to crawl out and sneak out the back door and on the way home, I'm never doing this again. I'm so sick of this. That's, that's how you feel. You, there's a bad feeling that comes. Yeah. Everybody who preaches gets that. Because sometimes I'm more like, you know, I think I'm just going to remind you about the anointing today. <laughs> turn it off. And I'm going to let a spirit of stupid get on me. So you're going to press through this thing. I know I'm going to catch the oil sometime. And he'll let you just go on down that road. And then you're like, oh, God, please. I've done that so many times. I'm an expert on that. Yeah. But then let me tell you this about the anointing. Sometimes you only are aware of it when it's not there. Okay? Sometimes it's the absence. You realize there's something missing. And that, it's like the X factor people talk about with athletes. Some people got that X factor. You know, they go, oh, everybody's got equal talent. This person's got something unique. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He makes it unique. He's that X factor, that anointing that comes, that makes it work. Yeah. And, but, but it's not a feeling, so you can't really depend on feelings. If you depend on feelings, you're going to be led astray. And I love feelings. I'm a Philly, Philly guy. I love to feel stuff. 
But I don't depend on feelings. Because if I did, I wouldn't be doing a lot of stuff, really. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And so the so let's don't make the, the anointing about it's not you know, when a preacher preaches and they preach real energetic and loud, that doesn't mean they're anointed. In fact, it may mean they're not anointed. They're trying to make up for it. Right. You know, it's, and it's sort of, you know, like clangy sounding to you and like irritating to you. You know? So we have to learn how to discern the anointing. The way to learn how to discern the anointing is to discern, learn how to discern your own life first. And then you can start recognizing it. Anyways, thank you, Lord, for the anointing, right? Amen. Uh, this one is important, too. The anointing, number three, the anointing is necessary to be a complete and well-rounded person in your body, in your soul, in your spirit. Okay? Now, this comes right from Scripture, 2 Corinthians one twenty one, that Jonathan's going to put up there. It's up there. It says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. So that word establish means to be made firm, to be made stable. That's what it means. So you see, being established in your life, being made firm in your life is connected to the anointing. They go together. You will never become a stable person. I'm talking about the stability that God wants for you in your life. I'm talking about every aspect of your life. Mentally, physically, spiritually. Because the anointing brings that. I know people, this is the truth, I know people who've walked away from the ministry. And you could see them two years down the road. They got out from working in the, under the anointing and it's messed their life up. Because, they're, because they, they're lacking something in their life this anointing that God called them to do this and they're not doing it. Or they, I know one guy, he fell. He got, and he had to get out of And he got out of the ministry for a while. And I tried to tell him, to get, you need to get back in, man. I mean, it's been three or four years now. And you, because you're losing ground spiritually. You're losing ground in your life. And it's affecting your family. It's affecting you. It's affecting everything around you. And I believe it's because he wasn't, the anointing wasn't working in his life. And so I think we really have to understand that the anointing of the Holy Spirit really will help you become the person, the nature of Christ, the mind of Christ, the character of Christ. It brings that forth in a person. It helps that person come and be who they're supposed to be. And that's really, to me, one of the, you know, the keys because it is, remember, the anointing is the Holy Spirit. I love that one, right? Okay, number four. The anointing uh, this is an Arthur Burt one here. The anointing and the appointing always work together. Arthur Burt used to have this saying, the anointing is pointing. Okay, that's what he was saying. The anointing is pointing? What? What is he talking about? And what is it pointing at? I mean, that was just a crazy little phrase in my mind. Like, I could, like what is he talking about? The anointing is pointing. In other words, in the Old Testament... The only people who got the anointing were, were kings and priests and sometimes prophets. And the reason they got the anointing was because God appointed them to something. Okay? God gave them an appointment, like an appointment for a king. You're a king, and I'm gonna, there's an anointing that comes with being a king. But if you quit being a king, you won't be anointed anymore. 
That's the way it worked in the Old Testament. It doesn't work like that in the New Testament. Not exactly. Because there's different kinds of anointing, but which I'll get to another time. But I think the anointing is pointed. I want to give you that one example uh, in Acts. Acts 14. I want to read this one. This is Paul. This is a great example of the anointing pointing. Okay? And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother wombs who had never walked. Paul was preaching. Here's this guy. Then this man heard Paul speaking. Okay. He was hearing Paul's preaching. Paul observing him intently and seeing, seeing that he had faith to be healed. Now, that, this, that's an example of the anointing pointing. Paul, the anointing was telling Paul there's something about this guy. The anointing was pointing at this guy. This guy had, a, had faith working in his life and Paul in the anointing pointed him out to Paul. And Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet in a loud voice. So anybody who don't believe in loudness in church, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Stand up straight on your feet and he leaped and walked. Isn't that powerful? That's an example of the anointing point. How would Paul know that? How would he see it? How would you see faith manifesting in a person? Because faith is, a, is an inward thing. It, it, it works in, you can't see faith. You can see the outcome of faith. You can see the product of faith. But you can't see it with your natural eyes. But there was an anointing that was pointing Paul there. That guy. Have you ever wondered some of these uh, people who call out people in the audience? Like, sir, I see this over you. How do they see it? They're, the anointing's pointing to that person. Meaning the Holy Spirit at that moment saying, this is the guy, get him. And so that's really what the anointing will do for us. It will give us the ability to see the things that God wants us to see. And points those things out to us so we can do those things. Have you ever wondered how Jesus, it says Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Have you ever thought about that? Well, part of what he was seeing, because many times it would say Jesus would just look at somebody and know something. A part of that was the anointing that Jesus walked under. That anointing was pointing those people out. That's part of how he saw what the Father was doing. Yeah. It was the anointing. Mm -hmm. Now, I hope you're getting excited about the anointing now. That excites me. Like, oh, yeah. It's a way to really connect into the spiritual realm and really begin to see things and know things. Yeah, amen. Bring it, Lord. And I think that's why it's important. I think this, that's just, a, to me, one of the great things that when I was a young Christian, I wish I would have understood that when I kept hearing Arthur Burke saying, the anointing is pointing. <laughs> what do you mean, pointing? Tell me what pointing means, please. Well, there it is right there in the Bible. And so in your life, you can tell when you're supposed to be doing something because of the anointing. Oh. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. That's how I found out I was supposed to come to, to, to Mooresville. It's because I had an anointing here. I hope I still have it. <laughs> Actually, I do. But you know what I'm saying. The anointing is pointing. You can tell it. So you go with where that anointing's going. And, and this is not just about ministry. This is about life. You know, like pick your bride based on the anointing, right? You want the woman that God wants. So there's going to be anointing that somebody's going to show you that. Like, wow, she's beautiful. Like, not oh, really. No, she is to me. Oh, she's a girl for you. <laughs> <laughs> the anointing is pointing. So that's it, it's the anointing and appointment always work together. Thank you.
Okay? God appoints us to something. He anoints us to do it. God will never ask you to do something. He doesn't give you the anointing to do it. So if you're trying to do something and there's no anointing, either you're trying to do it too soon or you've got, there's something clogging it up. Maybe you're not supposed to be doing it. I'm not going to say that's the only reason. But it could be you're out of time with God or there could be some other spiritual factors at work like unforgiveness or bitterness in your life that's keeping the flow of the Spirit working. There's you know, a lot of factors. It's, you can't just say one thing. But anytime I don't f- feel like there's no anointing on something and I believe in my heart of hearts that God's calling me to do it, I start going down in my mind, maybe I'm just out of time with the Lord. Or, Lord, am I in disobedience? Have I done something, you know, to stop up the flow? You know, or is there some kind of spiritual thing that's happening that I'm not seeing that I need to deal with, you know, just coming from the outside? Or... That's important, really. There was another time, uh, I didn't get this one because it wasn't as clear, but I love this. And in Luke 5, 17, um, Jonathan, you didn't put that one on there. You took that one off. Uh, in Luke 5, 17, Jesus was preaching one day in a house. Okay, and it says the Pharisees and Sadducees came. It says something interesting. Oh, it does happen. I just wanted to read this to him. And now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. They were coming to hear Jesus. These were the big people. Okay? Jesus is in this house. We'll find out later in the story because this is the house where they lowered the guy down in under the roof down to be healed. But it says something interesting. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It wasn't talking about the God Lord in the roof. It was talking about who? Pharisees and teachers of the law. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Jesus knew the power of God is here here to do something for these people. These Pharisees, these teachers of the law, these legalists. Okay? Well, in the middle of all that, this guy gets lowered down through the roof. I don't have those scriptures there. He got the healing. Okay, but you know what? Jesus didn't say the power of God was present to heal you. He just said your faith. And those guys got all offended, if you remember the rest of the story. The, the people that were meant to be healed, they went away offended at Jesus because he said, your sins are forgiven. And they all, well, how could he forgive sins? You know, got all in their, their religious huff and left there missing. The power of God was pointing at those people. The anointing was pointing at those people. They could have been healed that day, but they didn't. They went away offended. And see, to me, that tells me when the, when the anointing of the Lord comes for us, if, we don't, if we're not conscious of that and we don't receive it, then we could leave in worse a shape than we came. And I think that's really what's one of the problems with the church, with a lot of Christians, is the anointing has been there for them, but they've rejected They've got offended by it. They were talking about, I bet you, I would say there had to be somebody sitting in this room this morning when, some, when Matthew said it was like Toronto, they probably got this thought in their mind that was a negative thought. Well, that's an offense, okay? Because you didn't like the, man, you know, the way God was manifesting himself. And so what you do is you miss something. And you don't get something God had for you, okay? Now, this is really important. You don't get something that the Father meant for you to have. And because you missed that thing, you're in worse shape than you were when you showed up. It's the truth. And so that's why the anointing is so important that we receive when God has something. Even if we don't understand it, we just receive it. And we let it work in our life because it will do something for us. 
交军费了。Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love how the Lord is there?、Yeah. A man crippled all his life. The one guy in the room, all his life been crippled. There's probably other people. I guarantee you that day when Jesus was preaching from that house with a lot of those Pharisees and teachers, well, I guarantee you there were people there. Some of those were had 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 ailments in their life. They had、yeah. needs in their life. They had sicknesses in their life. They had problems in their life, and they could have been healed by the Lord that day. And so that whole thing is the anointing really is is there's an appointment with the anointing. It's, it does something. It's meant to accomplish something. Woo! Thank you, Lord. That's number four. Number five. This is the great one. You should all stand up and shout and throw books and scream at this. And in the new covenant, all believers are anointed. Yeah. yeah. All, that's, that's what the scripture teaches. All believers. And why does it do that? Because First Peter two nine says we are what a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. God anoints every priest. There's not a priest that was ever in the Old Testament wasn't anointed by God to be a priest. And we're all a royal priesthood. So each one of us has an anointing. Okay, we all have it already. That's right. Working in us and working upon us. Some of us are just not recognize it. Part of the problem with it is we're all anointed because we're all priests and we're all called to serve. Because priests served, and if you're not serving, you know you're missing the anointing. Because the anointing goes with the appointment, and if you're not functioning in your priesthood, then you're going to be missing something. Hey, let me tell you the secret. I'll tell you the secret. Since there's not many women here, all women here, close your ears. I'm telling you something. The Lord began to speak to me about how crummy of a husband I've been lately. And、when the Lord started talking, I'm like, "Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I have not been a good husband to Becky. Not the way the Bible tells us to be men. So have a quick men's meeting here. There's stuff in the Bible, man. I realize, Lord, I, you know, all my, I basically have been a self-centered jerk. You know, I mean, that's what Becky married. She married a self-centered jerk, and God had to really work on me for years to get me to quit being self-centered and angry and out. You know, no. If you're a guy and you got a wife. You need to treat her better, because that's what the Lord told me. You quit treating her like that. I'm talking about little things, like, "Hey, will you talk to me and not look at the computer?" I can look at the computer and talk. Why do you want me to do that? Like, just put the computer down. Okay, that's a simple thing, but to a woman that means a lot. I don't know why it does, honestly. I don't agree with it. I really don't agree. But I am going to do. I'm just saying. I think it's important how we treat our spouses. And women, you need to do that too. But really, men is 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 the Bible goes after it harder. It, it really tells us, guys, that the prayers will be hindered. It tells us that Peter tells us you you're just going to mess some things. It's going to cut some things off from you. So you might be wondering why your anointing is not flowing. It's maybe because of the way you're treating your wife. And you need to ask a little bit. I'm telling you, since Betty and I, the last three or four days, that's what God's been talking to me about. I've been talking about other stuff, more spiritual stuff. He's going to talk to me about how I treat Becky. Now, don't nobody tell her that. I don't want her to know because this is what'll happen. Look at the fuss. She says, "I thought the Lord was talking to you about how you treat me." Gives her leverage on me. <laughs> It's true. 
I wish it was something else. Because she's going to ask me, what will happen with you with the Lord while you're going? I, oh, I don't know. You know I, just, I just was really soaking a lot. The fire is being recorded. I got to hurry up. Are y'all okay? Number six. But we all have an anointing. We're all priests. And we all need to be serving. You're a priest. You're a priest in your home. Men. And women. You're a priestess. And so ask the Lord. That's a great place to start. Here's where I look at serving the Lord. I start with myself. That's where I start with me. Me. Inside of me. Not anything I'm doing, but inside of me. I'm serving God in my heart. And then I look at my home, my family, my children, my grandchildren. Okay? And then it goes out from there. You know? Because I know this. If you don't have that right, whatever you're doing out here, one of these days... You know, you ever heard that old saying when the chickens come home to roost? They always come back in the evening to roost. So one day, you know, you had to deal with it. Y'all, y'all never heard of it? Anyways, number six, our anointing flows out of Christ's anointing, and we receive it only from Him. I want you to get this. You got an anointing from Jesus Christ. You don't get an anointing from a person. Now, there are persons that can come and release more to you. But Christ is the ultimate source. If they're releasing an anointing to you, guess where they got that anointing to release it from? From Him. So He's the source. Jesus, because the, because I think Daniel 9, 25, I think it's Daniel 9, it calls Jesus the anointed one. He's the anointed one. So any anointing we get, it says that He was anointed with joy, this is Hebrews, above His fellows. <coughs> Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about Christ being up here and the oil dripping off of Him down to you? I always love that picture. Just seeing Him and that oil, the anointing of Him dripping off down onto the, to the, His people. And that's really where we get our anointing. Let me read John 1, 16. It says, Of His fullness we have all received. Everybody say received. Grace for grace. Grace for grace. So we get our anointing for Christ. That's number six. Number seven, the anointing is a gift of grace. Okay? It can never be earned. You can't earn an anointing. Don't try to earn an anointing. It's a gift. God's given you a gift. He's given me a gift. It's grace. And listen, God is grace, right? Christ is grace. The Holy Spirit is anointing. It's grace. He gives us this thing. He offers this thing to us. We can't earn it, but we can do this. We can grow in grace, right? We can, this anointing can be developed in us. It can be cultivated in us. It can be increased in us. Okay? It's like faith. Faith, and it's like, you know, faith can be increased. It can grow strong in us, right? Yeah. Yeah. The glory of God can be increased in us. Okay? It's, it, it's through relationship and communion with Him that it's increased in doing what He asks us to do. You know, he don't just suggest things like I suggest you do this. He doesn't do it. He says, do this. And when we begin to obey him, it causes the anointing to work in our life. And so we can, this anointing can really grow and develop and be cultivated in people's life. And I really want to encourage you to be intentional about that in your life. Because you can be anointed at work to do the job you're called. You could be the best one there. Why? Because the anointing's on you at work. 
And you stand out above everybody at work because why? Not because you're better than them or greater than them, but because God has anointed you. And see, that can really happen for people. People don't understand that. You can have this remarkable favor at work, and the favor's working because there's this remarkable anointing in your life that God's given you. And see, I really think a lot of people get messed up at work because, one, they complain about their boss. They're negative about their job. They're not thankful that they have a job. Okay? And they're not really seeking God for His favor and anointing on them on their job. Amen. And I'm telling you, when I was... shared this many times in the past. When I was an engineer, I had a huge amount of favor on me. They begged me not to leave when I left. I mean, really? You're kidding me. You don't know me. (laughs) Why was it? It wasn't me. I wasn't the smartest guy there. I was not the best guy there. I was not the most hardworking guy there. But I did have an anointing on me there. I did have the favor of the Lord on me. And that was the Lord. The Lord did that for me. And he did it because I was intentional towards him for it. And I think everybody in this room, whatever you're doing, in, in the home, you know, with your children, with, with your relationship, with your, with your husband and wife, with, with the people around you. You see, this anointing is not just for people preaching or praying for people. It's, it's for your life. It's to live your life and be full in your life. And I mean, it really can work. And you begin to pull on that anointing. You begin to pull on it. You begin to draw on it. And more oil will come your way. Literally. And God will work on your behalf. And so I really want to encourage you about your job situations. If you have a job, start being thankful for it. Start being thankful for what you do. You know, the money you do, they pay you. And don't be, you know, bad-mouthing your boss. You know, if you need a personal vent to, go home, vent to your wife for about 32 seconds about your job, and then be done with it. You know, and as you begin to do that, that really releases something. It gets all that stuff out of the way that's hindering you. And if God has another job for you, He'll release an anointing for you to go there. You'll, there'll be an appointment somewhere else. Now, I, I've here, when I was working in, in the, out there, not working in the church, I was around a lot of Christians that had really bad attitudes at work. And they continued, complained about their job, complained about their boss, complained about this. And I would tell them, man, no wonder. You're attracting demons with all that talk. So you have a demonic anointing working on you that's keeping God from being able to really bless you there. And it really is the truth. Y'all think I'm fussing at you? No. All right. So it's, it's grace. It can't be earned. It can be cultivated and increased through our relationship with the Lord Jesus. You know, Him, the Spirit of Christ, and allowing that to flow. And so, that's number seven. There's seven more to go. <laughs> There's different kinds of anointing. Maybe, you know, Lord willing. So let's just stand up this morning. And whatever area of life you're in, uh, if you feel like... Okay, if you feel like the Lord may be speaking to you about wanting to anoint you at work or with your relationship with your spouse or your children even or anything, your ministry. If you feel like, Lord, you know what, I'm, I need some anointing flowing in me. It's not flowing. That's the way I like to look at it. I have the anointing. You have the anointing. Everyone in this room has it. But sometimes it's not flowing. It's like uh, 
and that faucet at the sink, there's water in it. But you've got to turn it on to get it to flow. And when it flows, something starts working. So some, what we need is Holy Spirit come and open the faucet of the anointing for us. And if, if there's something in me that's hindering it, like it's got it all stopped up, the faucet might be opened, I've stopped it up with wickedness or complaining or you know just bad stuff, then Lord, show me this morning so I can get that out. You can take it out now, Lord. I'm repenting. I'm getting right. I'm getting through with that now. I'm done with that. So, Father, thank you this morning. Thank you that Jesus is the anointed one. Yes. We just love that, Lord. You, we want to say, let's just say, Jesus, you're the anointed one. Jesus, you're the anointed one. And our anointing comes from you. you have, you're anointed above us. Meaning you want that anointing to flow. Flow down to us. Well, when I...